Father, we do love you. We praise you for your amazing grace towards us. Lord, we recognize and we realize, maybe not to the degree that you do, but Lord, we do recognize and realize our need for your grace. Lord, we recognize and realize our need to be saved from our sin. Lord, without you, we would be still lost, still doomed. But because of you, Lord, we have a new, a new hope, a future. And Lord, we will experience your goodness. Lord, we thank you that your goodness has pursued us for our, for our entire lives. Lord, as we look back, I think for some of us, as we look back on our lives, we can see times that you protected us, times that you were good to us when we didn't deserve it, times where your favor rested upon us because you had a plan and a purpose to save us and to use us for your glory. So, Jesus, we do give you all the praise, honor, and glory today. Lord, we're here to love each other well and serve each other well. And, Lord, we want to glorify you here today. So, Jesus, we pray that you would have your way in this place today. Lord, we're grateful to be in your house. Lord, worshiping you and hearing from you. Gather together with your people. And, Lord, we just pray that, again, that you would have your way and that, Lord, that your will would be done here in this place. Pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. Here you go, pal. All right, you can be seated. Well, good morning. How are we? Great, good. Good to be with you guys here today. All right. So Miami football fans. Well, we'll talk about a couple different things here, right? Because I think there's two different Miami football fans, you know. We know the Dolphins. They had a hard time yesterday. They had a hard time. But, hey, a good season. Good season for those guys, right? It was exciting. Hey, listen, probably the most exciting season for the Dolphins in what? Over 20-some years, right? That's, that was a very exciting season. I know uh, our family really enjoyed watching Dolphins football, so we're grateful um, for, for that, for that good season. Uh, but the Miami Hurricanes yesterday got some great news. They got, a, they got the best quarterback maybe in college football. They got a great one yesterday. So um, if you're a Hurricanes fan, you got extra reason today to... Praise the Lord. Well, listen, that's uh, some people, that are, they're, they're thankful today, so uh, it's okay. It's one of the things we can be thankful for um, is what we enjoy outside of this place as well. Well, today, this morning, I want to talk about this word, love. I want to talk about the word love. You know, at New Beginnings, we're committed to living by faith. We're committed to being people of hope, and we are committed to being known in this city by our love for Jesus, by our love for each other, and by our love for our community. We want to be known and we want to be marked by love. And today we're going to specifically talk about what does God's word have to say about that word love? What does God's word have to say about love? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 is going to be our key verse. It's going to be our guiding verse here this morning. And I want to read it with you. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and what? Love. But the greatest of these is love. So what does love mean in Scripture? What does that word love even mean? Since we're in the New Testament, we're going to focus in on the word love in the Greek language. If we actually included what the Hebrew language says about love, we would be here all day. So we're going to focus in specifically on the Greek language. Well... Some people say any, anywhere between four and eight. Four and eight different forms of love that they believe are in the Greek language. Today we're going to focus in on four of them. We're going to look at four different words for love in the Greek language. Different, four different forms, if you will. And so the New Testament was originally written in what language? Greek. And the Greeks used these four different words to distinguish between the different forms of love, but also between the different intensities of love. There are different levels to love, aren't there? Some of you say you love ice cream, right? Anybody? You love ice cream or you love coffee, right? Or you love football, but then you also love your spouse and you love Jesus, right? Now, you don't love all of those things the same. There's different intensities to those kinds of love. 
And as Christians, we should really know the, the, the differences between the forms of love because God has meant for us to express love, but to express love in different ways, to express love in different intensities and in different contexts of our lives. And so we're going to look at each of these different types of love this morning um, as we get more familiar with these different forms of love. The first kind of love, the first different form of love that we're going to look at in the Greek language is the form of love, eros. That's spelled E, kind of love, right? And from this word, we actually get our, our, our English word erotic. Now, when you hear that word and you hear what we get our, that English word from, you sit there and you go, oh, this might be like uh, an impure kind of love, but it's not an impure kind of love. It's a beautiful kind of love that is a gift from God for a man and woman to experience within the confines of marriage, right? And it's a love for married couples to express their love for each other, to also be used to procreate. Now, to be clear here, eros isn't actually found in Scripture. However, if you look back to the Old Testament in the Song of Solomon, the Song of Solomon was written to positively highlight passionate love between a married couple, right? It eros kind of love. It's a love between a husband and a wife. And as we look back at the Song of Solomon, God definitely intended for married couples to love each other in a different way than they love anybody else in this world, right? And that's a physical kind of love. It's a physical kind of love. So I would ask this question this morning to our married couples today. How would your spouse rate you in the way that you show Eros love to them? How would your spouse rate you in the way that you show Eros love to them? The next form of love that we're going to look at from the Greek language are G-E, storge. And storge love is used to describe a familial love. It's the love that encompasses a bond between parent and child or brother and sister. It's a love that occurs in the context of a family. And so this kind of love is really deep. It's so deep that it can go through trials and hardships. How many of you have been through a trial or a hardship with somebody in your family and you still love them? Anybody? You still love them? Like, they, 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 you don't get along with them. You can't even sit at the same Thanksgiving table as them for very long. But you still love each other and you would do anything for that person. Right? That is storge kind of love. It's a deep kind of love. It's a loyal kind of love. Now, that word also is in our word that's used there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And that word is also not used in Scripture either. But the negative version of that word is used. In scripture, unloving, right? Astorge is actually used in scripture. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3, the apostle Paul, right, he said, without love, which means to be unloving, right? He uses that word, astorge, right? A similar word, astorgis, right, which means no love or it means to be heartless, uh, Paul used in Romans 1, 31. Now, we're seeing used here in the context of 1 Corinthians 13, 13, we do see storge love illustrated in the Bible. We see it with Jairus, right, when he is uh, concerned about his sick daughter. Uh, we see it with Mary and Martha when they grieve over their brother Lazarus that they loved. Cain did not have this kind of love for his brother Abel. He didn't have this kind of love. Uh, we know that uh, Joseph's jealous brothers didn't have this kind of love for Joseph. Uh, they didn't have this kind of bonding love for their brother. And so the question that I want to ask as we're talking about storge love is this. Is how are you showing love to your family? How would, how, how would your family, how would your parents, how would your kids, how would your brothers and sisters, how would they rate you on the way that you are showing storge love to them? How would they rate you? Would they say, yeah. My brother, my sister, my son, my daughter, my cousin, whatever it might be, my mom, dad, loves me unconditionally. Loves me with a deep, committed love. We may not get along, but I know at the end of the day, when I lay my head on that pillow, I know that they love me. Right, that's what storge love is. The next kind of love that we're going to look at in the Greek is phileo. That's spelled P-H-I-L-E-O, phileo. For somebody. It's almost like that person is your family, but they're not quite 
your family. This love is also a devoted kind of love. The Greek really makes a big deal about friendship. If you look back at their, uh, the, 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 the Greek lifestyle and the Greek influence specifically, maybe even on the Roman world, there was a, a, a really big value placed on relationships and specifically friendships. And so this word here, phileo, really places this big emphasis on a friendly love, a love between friends. It's an unselfish kind of love. It's a love that's ready to serve, right, in the context of a friendly relationship. Phileo love is, is also uh, basically an emotional love. This is a love that can't be forced on somebody. It's, it only happens and develops with, within naturally occurring friendships, relationships. And so I want you to see, though, this morning that Phileo kind of love is based on the qualities that you find attractive or that you, are, uh, you find valuable in another person. Meaning what? Meaning two people might become good friends based on, let's just say they both like, we, we've already been talking about football, let's keep talking about it. They both like football, okay? And so they kind of hit it off talking about football, but they expand these qualities that, hey, I like this other person. And so because I like this other person, I'm willing to have a relationship with this, with this person. It's not a romantic kind of love. It's a, it's a relational kind of love, a friendship kind of love. How many of you have this kind of friendship in your life? You're blessed by God to have that kind of friendship where you know there's somebody, man, I love this person. We just, we, I, I see all these good things in this person. This is what's attracted me to this person, not in a, in a, a romantic kind of way, but in a way that I just, I just want to continue to do life with this person. I want this person in my life. And here's the key. This kind of love, phileo kind of love, as beautiful as that kind of love is, and it's a blessing, amen, it's a blessing to have, this kind of love only gives as it continues to receive. This kind of love only gives as it continues to receive. Meaning if the other person stops really wanting to be your friend, you're going to probably stop loving this person and say, well, I'll go find somebody else. You just kind of naturally just move apart, and that kind of love for that person really kind of goes away, right? The phileo kind of love. It's a conditional love, conditional. Now, phileo love is the kind of love that the disciples had for Jesus in John chapter 16, verse 27. It's the word that's used there. Jesus said, no, the Father himself loves you because you have, and as Christians, we have a love for Jesus that comes from our joy in Jesus, that comes from our delight in Jesus. See, God the Father has a delight in you. Did you know that? God the Father takes delight in you. When God the Father looks at you, what does he see? Well, it's not just that he sees Jesus. He sees the righteousness of Jesus that has been imputed onto you and into you. So when he looks at you, he sees not just Jesus, but he sees this righteousness of Jesus that's in you, and he takes delight in you because of it. He takes delight in you. God takes delight in you. And because of this, because of this righteousness, right, being imputed onto us, we take delight in God. Like God takes delight in us, but we also take delight in God. You know, uh, as some of you might remember that in Scripture we're called to love our enemies, Right, to love our enemies. And as Christians, the Bible doesn't call us to love our enemies with a phileo kind of love. It's not phileo that's used there, that you're to love your enemies with right, that kind of love. Because that would mean, hey, we have the same interests. And some of your enemies, you might have no interests that are similar. Not even anything. So that's not the word that's used there to even love our enemies. Now, to keep going with this, but that something is not always another person. Sometimes it's not a person that this person may have phileo love towards. Sometimes it might be something sinful or selfish, or it might just be an object. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, let me give you an example. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For their love, right, they had a phileo love towards praying, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Jesus said in Luke chapter 20, verse 46, Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and what? 
phileo, right? They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 16.22, if anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Part of the word Philadelphia actually comes from this Greek word phileo. It's uh, pretty neat. Philadelphia is a combination of two Greek words, adolphos and phileo. And combined, you get Philadelphia, which means what? City of, yeah, brotherly love, of brotherly love. And so we also get our word philanthropy from this word. So if you're thinking about that, what is philanthropy means to be what? To, to be giving, to help, that you call your friend. How are you loving other people that you call your friend? Another question is this, is are you loving things that a child of God has business loving? Or are you loving things that a child of God has no business in loving? Maybe the things of this world, the way other people see you, your reputation, right? Material possessions. Are you loving things that you should be loving? Or are you loving things that you should not be loving? Sometimes it can be both, right? Phileo is also, though, not the word that's used in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. So then what is the Greek word that's used there in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13? What's the word that we're going to settle in on and look at for the rest of our time? It's the Greek word agape. Agape. Agape is the highest level of love that's used in Scripture. It's the highest level of love. This is a kind of love that doesn't just last for a lifetime. It's a kind of love that lasts for eternity. Right? And this is a love that truly is sacrificial. It's a sacrificial kind of love. This love is different from the other three kinds of love because this love, check this out, this love continues to love even if it doesn't get love back. This kind of love continues to love even if it doesn't get respect back or kindness back or anything to love. This is the exact kind of love that God is. Right? When, it, when Scripture says that God is love, this is the kind of love that Scripture is saying, that God is agape love. 1 John 4, 8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is agape. He is agape. This is also the kind of love that God shows, right, in uh, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so agape the world, right, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 1 John 4, 9, this is how God showed his agape among us. He sent his son into the world that we might live through him. And so this is the kind of love that God gives to believers to be able to love the world with. Non-believers cannot love with agape love. This is a kind of love that only comes from having a relationship with God and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. You cannot have this kind of love apart from Jesus Christ. You will only know this kind of love because of Jesus Christ. Other people will only experience this kind of love if they come into contact with somebody who knows and has a relationship with Jesus Christ. This kind of love is reserved for believers. For God, God is this love. God is this love. This love is a love of choice. It's a, it's a love that chooses to love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8 says, love is what? Patient. Love is what? It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never what? Fails. Love never fails. Agape love is a perfect love. It's a fully devoted kind of love. Love, this kind of love, agape love, is not motivated by superficiality. This kind of love is not motivated by emotions. So much of the love that we see in our world today is motivated by emotions, it's motivated by physical attraction, right? And it gets construed as love. 
That's not really the kind of love that, that is available, right? It's not the best kind of love. This kind of love is not based on sentiment. This kind of love is not based on, let's just try something this morning. We're going to reread 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8, but this time as we read it out loud together, we're going to substitute the word Jesus for love there. And we're going to see if it still makes sense. Are you ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8, we're going to substitute the word Jesus in for love. So every time you see the word love, you're going to say the name Jesus. You ready? Here we go. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. Jesus is not proud. Jesus does not dishonor, dishonor others. Jesus is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrong. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. Jesus always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. Still true? Oh, yeah. See, this is the kind of love that God is. So we can put Jesus' name in there, and it's still perfect. It's still perfect. We're going to try something a little further now. We're going to read it again, and this time we're going to substitute your name in there. Some of you are like, I don't know if I want to play this game. <laughs> All right, listen. We're going to do something. It's going to open our eyes. Are you ready? So you're going to say your name. Your name. You ready? Here we go. Jordan is patient. Jordan is kind. Jordan does not envy. Jordan does not boast. Jordan is not proud. Jordan is not, does, does not dishonor others. Jordan is not self-seeking. Jordan is not easily angered. Jordan keeps no record of wrong. Hey, you don't have to laugh so loud. Man. Jesus does not take delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. Jordan always protects. Jordan always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jordan never fails. Now, yeah, listen. Did any of you have a hard time believing it when you put your name in there? Raise your hand if you had a hard time. Look at that. We got some room to grow, don't we? Oh, we got some room to grow when it comes to love. We have some room to grow. I want you to think about this question. Are you hindering God's love from flowing through you? Or are you cooperating with God's love flowing through you? See, God's love is channeled. As you come in contact with the world, I want them to go, whoa, what kind of love is that? I've never been loved that way. I've never experienced love this way. What kind of love is that? See, are you cooperating with God's love flowing through you, or are you hindering God's love, agape love, from flowing through you? Which one is it? Because it's one of the two, isn't it? Right? It's not medium. It's not somewhere in between. It's either or. Either you're working with God, you're cooperating with God, and God's love is flowing through you to everyone that you're coming in contact with, whether it's your enemy or your best friend or your spouse, where people are getting robbed because they're not getting to experience agape love like God wants them to experience through you. Let me ask you this. How, how important do you think it is that you express your faith in different ways? Meaning, you say you're a Christian, well, how important do you think it is that that gets lived out in different ways in your life? Well, I think it's really important. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 3. Here's what he said about that. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not, what? Love. I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but don't have love, he says, I'm nothing. If I give all, do not have love, I gain what? Nothing. So Paul says you can have all these awesome things in this world, right? You can have all these incredible things that the world would sit there and go, wow, look at all she has. Or look at all he has. But Paul says if you don't have love, you got nothing. You can have everything and still have nothing. 
by this world's standards. But on the flip side, it still works too, doesn't it? See, you can have nothing that this world would say is of value. You can have nothing. You can have no house. You can have no car. You can have no money. You can have no relationships. But if you have Jesus, you have everything. Because you have agape love. See, I want you to see something. Loving God is living like Jesus. If you're going to live like Jesus, you have to love God. You have to love others. What does agape love do? Agape love always seeks the highest good of other people. Always. Enemies included. Enemies included. No matter what that person might do to you, no matter what that person, how that person might treat you, agape love is always going to seek the good of that other person. Always. And that love can come to you, that love can flow, that kind of love can flow through you and can be expressed and can be experienced by other people through you. See, agape love, let me tell you what agape love doesn't do. You ready? Agape love never dreams of getting revenge against other people. Agape love doesn't do that. A Christ-like, godly love doesn't do that. Doesn't sit there and say, how can I get back at this person? Man, that person really screwed me over. Wow, what can I do to get them back? Nope. Agape love never dreams of getting revenge. Agape love never feels bitterness towards another person. That's hard. That's really hard. Agape love is never resentful towards another person. And some of you have, you have things that the world would sit there and say, yeah, I understand why you're resentful. You have every right to be resentful. Agape love says no. Can't be resentful towards another person. Agape love is never vengeful towards another person. Agape love never hates another person. Agape love never discriminates against another person. Another, uh, excuse me, agape love never refuses to forgive another person. Listen, if agape love is in you, no matter how hard you try, you're still, how hard you try not to, you still would be, at the end of the day, loving that other person. If agape love really is in you, at the end of the day, you're still going to love that other, per- other person. Uh, let's talk about this for a moment. How many of you have a birthmark? I'm not going to ask you to show us, don't worry. But how many of you have a birthmark, birthmark somewhere on your body, right? A-, a birthmark is unique, isn't it? It's a unique marking on your body that probably nobody else has. Not going to look the same, not going to be the same size, same place. It's individual to you. It's unique to you. It's a birthmark. Whenever you are driving on the road and you see golden arches, what do you immediately know it is? Look at you. Y'all know it's McDonald's? Right there, bang, McDonald's. You see a Target sign, you know it's Target, right? You, you see certain things and you immediately know, oh, that's this place or that's this company. A, a little swoosh, you know it's Nike. You immediately know that it belongs to that specific company, that specific brand, what I want you to see is that God himself has also established a mark, a logo, if you will, a trademark, if you will, of his people who have been born again by the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that marking is love. See, Christians are to be known by their love. When, when non-believers, they immediately should be able to go, they know Jesus. They walk with Jesus. They believe in Jesus. Whether they believe in Jesus or not, it doesn't matter. They know at the end of the day, you know Jesus because look at how you what? Love. Not because of how you talk. Oh, he tells me about Jesus. Or he invites me to church. These things are important. But they got to know that you love. Because love is the trademark. Knowledge is not the trademark of a Christian, right? Being able to repeat the gospel is not the trademark of a Christian. Going to church is not the trademark of a Christian. Love is the trademark of a believer. See, agape love is not a feeling of love that you just can't help. It's not that. It's a love that is made up and determined and decided in your mind. 
This is a love because you have already decided I'm going to love this person and every other person the same way with a godly love. This is a kind of love that keeps loving even when the other person is unloving towards you. And that's hard. But it's possible because it's from God. It's a perfect kind of love, and it's, it is possible because you're connected to God. See, agape is the power to love those that you don't like. And guess what? It's the power to love those that don't like you back before. That love beats lecture every single time. You ever heard that before? Parents, you've probably heard this before. Love beats lecture every single time. Right? People... Right, are, are going to what? They're going to be attracted and going to listen to what you have to say when they know that you love them. When they know that it's coming from a place of love. We can only have this kind of love. We can only be uh, experiencing this kind of love when Jesus Christ empowers us, empowers us to conquer our flesh. See, because your flesh naturally leads you to hate other people. Your flesh naturally leads you to be bitter towards other people. Your flesh naturally leads you to be resentful towards other people. But agape love, God's love, leads you to love other people in spite of what they've done to you or of who they are or how they believe or how they talk about you. Agape love does this. Second century church uh, author Tertullian once said, It is our care for the helpless our practice of loving kindness that brands us in the eyes of our opponents. Look, they say, look at how they love one another. Look at how they are prepared to die for one another. New beginnings, the old saying is true. People don't care how much you know until he longs to express his great heart of love for other people. And he wants to do that, listen, through you. God wants to express his love for your neighbors in your neighborhood, through the coworkers that you work with, through the people in your family. He wants to express this kind of love, but he wants to do it through you. He wants his love to, to flow through you, yet you are a conduit of the love of God. He wants them to experience this. Again, agape love is a perfect love. And God has displayed this love. He's modeled this kind of love for us through the perfect love that we have seen in this world. The perfect love that we have seen is that God has sent his one and only son. That's what begotten means, by the way. It's one and only, right? It's unique. That he has sent this son to do what? To be sacrificed for the payment as our, of our sin. So that as we place our faith in Jesus, what happens? We can now have eternal life. Isn't that what John chapter 3 verse 16 says? Right? For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, his begotten son, that whosoever, which is anybody, would believe in him, you won't perish, but what? You'll have everlasting life. Jesus instructed believers that, hey, you're to love this way too. That's awesome. We do get to experience this awesome kind of love of God, don't we? Amen? Like we sing about this kind of love. We love Jesus because of how he loves us. But then Jesus also says, hey, you got to love other people the same way. The way I loved you, you got to love other people. That's what this means to be a Christian. And in fact, John, uh, it says in John 13, 34, Jesus said, a new command I give you. What? Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So Jesus calls us and he wants us and he commands us to love him, but to also love others perfectly. Some of you might say perfectly. Yes. He has called you to love others perfectly because he said, love others like I have loved you. And how has he loved you? Imperfectly? No. Perfectly. With a perfect kind of love. Right? Jesus said in, in 1335, by this Everyone will know that you're my disciples if what? If you love one another. Everyone's going to know that you belong to me, that you have a relationship with me if you love one another. We love like this because Jesus loved us like this first. Amen? Listen, God didn't have a feeling of emotional concern for you and go, well, if I don't intervene, well, I guess nothing, so I, I may as well start loving this person. That's not how God looks at you. This one is so special and so awesome. I, I, I just, I'm going to put my love on this person. 
It's not how God operates. It's not how God works. God doesn't love you based on anything you have done or anything you will ever do. God loves you for the sake of giving, not for the sake of getting. Meaning, God loves you in spite of if you ever love him back. He already loves you. He's committed to loving you. Even if you never love him back, he is going to love you perfectly. Wow. Wow. This is the God that Christians serve? Yes. This is why, listen, not every God is the same God. Not every road leads to the same place. Because there's no other God in any other religion that's like this. That sits there and says, I'll die for those that I love. Oh, the other religions say, die for me. Those gods say, die for me, die for me. Our God says, I'll die for you. What? See, God's love, our God, his love is unconditional. It's an unconditional love. God gives no conditions for us to be able uh, to, to be loved by him. And God commands us to love other people without condition too. See, we have been trained to love with condition. Right? You see it in TV shows. You see them. They hit you, hit them back. Right? Don't love this person if they don't love you. If they're not kind to you, don't talk to them. These kind of type things we've been trained to do since we're little. Some of it is that we feel like, hey, it's just us protecting ourselves or your parents were trying to protect you and this is how you were taught. But Jesus says you are to love in spite of all that. You're to love. Again, this love is about giving. It's not about getting. And this love continues to give even if it doesn't get. This is the kind of love that we have. And friends, listen, those who have the spirit of God are commanded to love like God loves. And so the question is, do you have the spirit of God in you? Well, if you sit there and say you're a Christian today, then you do have the Holy Spirit in you. And that, that means that this command rests on you, that you're to love others in this way. Our sinful nature, though, is something that we battle against, isn't it? Let's talk about the problem. See, because this is what prohibits us from loving the way that, that we're called to love. We have a sinful nature, don't we? We have a sinful nature, and this sinful nature says, man, I'm bitter towards this person. My sinful nature says, I'm not going to forgive this person. My sinful nature says, I don't want to love because I haven't gotten anything from that person. That person doesn't give me anything. That person's not nice to me, not kind to me, whatever. And so I'm not going to love because I don't get. That's what sinful nature says. Love is not some commodity that we trade in order to receive things back. Love is something that we are to give unconditionally. Whether you ever get or not, you give back. See, we have a new nature, don't we? You're a new creation. And so you have a new nature because the Holy Spirit now lives inside of you. So if you don't love as a Christian, you're living against your new nature. You're living against what God wants to happen in your life. Here's what I would say this morning, and we need to listen very carefully to this. If we're not loving to other people, it's not just a shortcoming in our life. If we're not loving towards other people, it's not just a character flaw. It's not just something, oh, I need to work on that. If we're not loving others the way that God has commanded us to love, we're not being obedient to him, which means we're living in sin. Period. It's sinful to not love others the way that God wants you to love. Because it's not the way that God has called you to live. It's a willful disobedience of God's command, and it's a complete disregard, listen, for the perfect example that he's shown you. See, if you understand the gospel... Right? You understand, you place your faith in the gospel, the good news of Jesus, then you understand, you understand the love of God. And to sit there and say, I'm not going to love others the way that God has loved me, is to sit there and say, I'm going to believe this for myself, but I'm going to stop here where it comes to the obeying part. Loving others requires a heart that's going to be obedient to God. We have to resolve, right, that we're going to be obedient to God. As believers, we have to resolve. Now listen, this is where it gets really hard. Can I just be honest with you? Like if we're sitting here and we're hearing this message about love and we're going, okay, I'm going to resolve, I'm going to resolve, I'm going to resolve. This is a decision that you have to wake up tomorrow morning and go, I, I got to resolve this again right now. Oh, when your boss is mean to you tomorrow, 
When your coworker has talked bad about you tomorrow, when your family member is being rude to you, you got to go back and say, I resolve. I resolve I'm going to love this way. It's a conscious decision to say I'm going to love in spite of if I never get. And if I only get bad back, I'm still going to only give good. This is the kind of love that we are being called to. This is why when we said, let's put our name in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we all sit there and said, oh, I don't know, because we got work to do. But Jesus would have never told us to love other people this way if it wasn't possible. You have the power of God available to you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, which means you can love other people this way too. You can be known for loving other people. You might, right now, listen, you might be known for being a person who is unloving. Can we just be real? Maybe your family, when they think about you, they would say, if they described you, they might say kind, whatever, cool, funny, whatever. Some of you would not be described as loving. Let's just be real. I don't know if I would be described that way. Who knows how any of us would be described? But we can be. We can be. Just because we haven't been when we walked in here doesn't mean the rest of our life isn't right ahead of us. And we can still be, be known for this. We can still do this. When Hans Edge went to Greenland as a missionary in 1721, he didn't know the native language there. He didn't know the Inuit language. And his temperament was really overbearing as a missionary, which is really bad. He had a hard time being kind to the people. He got frustrated really easily with the people, and it came out in his body language. It came out in the way that he spoke to the people that he was trying to minister to. If you're trying to minister to people, you don't want to be harsh with them. You don't want to be uh, talking. Running through Greenland. It killed two-thirds of the people who lived in Greenland at the time. It even killed Hans's wife. Hans now had a shared suffering with these other people. And the shared suffering that he had with these other people, it absolutely wrecked his harsh personality. It destroyed his harsh personality. And he began to tirelessly serve and love these other people with a Christ-like love. It took 12 years for that to happen. 12 years. And because his life now better represented the stories that he was telling other people about God, because he was giving them a visual demonstration of what the love of God actually looks like, now these people were finally starting to understand the stories of God's love that he had been saying for 12 years. It didn't make sense until they saw it with their own lives. Until they saw this love flowing through him, now all of a sudden it makes sense. And people started coming to know Jesus. But it took 12 years to get there. It took 12 years. Maybe this morning you're like the Inuits in that story, the natives of Greenland. Maybe it's been very hard for you to see God's love in other people. Maybe you're like Hans Edge. Maybe it's been very difficult for you and you've struggled to show up in your life. And it's been very difficult for you to show the love of God to other people. What I want you to understand is that God knows that we're weak and we're needy. That's me, right? We're weak and we're needy people. And so God says, because you're weak and you're needy and you're not going to know how to do this on your own, I'm going to send someone who's going to do this perfectly for you and show you how to do this. Jesus. Jesus is our perfect model of this. Jesus is the one we look to. And we sit here and we say, I don't know how to love other people this way. Go study, go, just go read about Jesus. Go read the Gospels. Just go look at Jesus. You don't have to go any further. You don't have to go read any other book. The Bible is sufficient. And just go look at the Gospels and look at Jesus. What is Jesus doing on the cross? Praying for his enemies. What is Jesus doing with the people that he walks with, he loves? He cries with those who are crying, right? He rejoices with those who rejoice. This is who Jesus was. This is Jesus. He is the perfect model that we have. He's the perfect model of agape, of agape. And as we look to Jesus, here's what we learn. As you and I look to Jesus, we learn that we are loved by Jesus. And as we look to Jesus, we can love other people like Jesus has loved us. 
Like how we talked about last week when we came in here, we said that there's this three-dimensional aspect to worship, right? I'm going to minister to you, and as I'm ministering to you, I want you to minister to other people. It's the same thing here. As I look to Jesus, Jesus is saying, I'm going to help you so that now you can love other people. If you're going to look at other people as your example, you're never going to be able to do this right. you got to look to Jesus, the perfect example, the perfect model of this. My prayer is that new beginnings would never be an obstacle to other people experiencing the love of God. See, because you're either the person, you're helping somebody, you're a window for people to see through and see the love of God, or you're an obstacle that people can't see the love of God. You're one of the two. You're not in between. Either people are looking through your life and they're going, I see the love of God. Wow, this is, how, this is Jesus. This is who Jesus is. Or people are going, I look at you and I can't see God's love. Because you're an obstacle. You're blocking it. Which one are we going to be? Which one are we going to be? True love, again, has no strings attached. Love looks beyond what people are to what they can become. We can love others the way that God has loved us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, it's good to be in your house today. Lord, it's, it's good to come and prayerfully we remembered our homework last week, which was to come in here today with a word of encouragement for those who are around us, for those that we come into contact with, that we are to be praying for each other throughout the week. Lord, this is part of what it means to love others with agape love. Lord, your word said that others will know that we are of you if we love others well. And Lord, that starts in this place. If we can't love other people in, in this space well, how can we love other people who don't like us? How can we love other people who don't think like us, who don't want to have anything to do with us? How can we love them well if we can't love each other well in here? This really is a training ground, God, and we thank you for your house being that place, that safe space for us to learn how to love others well. Lord, many of us were not shown how to love well growing up. Maybe we had a parent or two who were very unloving, who didn't model what, what agape love is. Maybe a lot of us have had things happen to us in our life where we become very untrusting and we become very unloving. But Lord, none of us are without excuse towards loving. Those things are a crutch, Lord, and you're not in the business of giving us crutches. You're in the business of helping us to accomplish all the things that you've called us to accomplish. And so, Jesus, you've called us to love in this way. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, this morning that you would help us. Lord, you know where we're weak. You know where our deficiencies lie. You know what the things are that we have to let go of in our own lives to be able to love this way. And so, Holy Spirit, we plead with you to remove those things that block us from loving the way that you would have us love others and have us love you. Because, Lord, how can we say that we love you if we don't love other people? How can we realistically show people a love that we don't experience for ourselves? So Jesus, help us with this. Lord, we thank you that you know that we're needy. We are a needy people. We are needy, we are weak, and Lord Jesus, we need you. So God, we thank you for the perfect example that you are. Jesus, we thank you that you would leave heaven to come to this place. Lord, you would do all of that because you have a perfect love. And you've called us to love others with that same love. Help us. Help us. Lord, for those in our church right now who are hurting, whether it be over relationship issues in their life right now, marriage issues, financial issues, 
sadness, broken heart, disease, fear. Lord, we have hurt in this place. We're not ignorant to that. And so, Lord, I pray during this time, if someone needs to be prayed for, they would go to our prayer team in the back. That they would move and they would go get prayed for. That maybe they have somebody in their life who, who they know needs healing or needs help or needs encouragement, that they would go and lift their name up. Maybe that person is here today. Maybe they say, hey, come with me. Let's go get prayed for. Maybe there's a marriage this morning that's really strong, but they say, I wanna, we want to be stronger. Let's go get prayed for. Maybe things are going good in our life and we say, Let, let's go together, let's go, get, let's go get prayed for and let's go praise God with somebody else for the goodness of God that we've experienced and we sang about and bring our concerns to you. Lord, you invite us 24-7 to come and spend time with you. You're always available, your door is always open. And so we thank you for that. Lord, for the way that you got us through this past week, we praise you. And, Lord, for the way you're going to continue to provide for us and care for us and lead us and guide us and direct our steps this coming week, we praise you. Jesus, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory for who you are. Lord, for those who may be here this morning who don't know you, they've never experienced this kind of love before. This love that we're talking about this morning is, is foreign to them. It's another language to them because it just they, they never experienced it. Maybe today's the day they do. Lord, that you would draw those who are lost to you here in this place this morning. That you, salvation would come to this place this morning. Lord, we just, again, give you all the praise, honor, and glory for the good things that New Beginnings continues to experience as a, as a body of Christ. Lord, we thank you for the days ahead, this month, the things that we have to celebrate. 20 years, Lord, we know that that's that's something, Lord, that many churches never get to. We know after COVID, many churches closed because of COVID. 20 years. And Lord Jesus, oh, you get the praise, honor, and glory for it. It wasn't because of anybody here. Not because anybody here was so awesome. There's some good people here. Not because anybody here was that awesome or that great or that special. It's because of you, Jesus. You are that great. You are that awesome. You are that special. And you are that faithful. So your church celebrates you. We worship you. This church, Lord, we want to be marked. We want to, the trademark of this church, we want it to be your love because of how you've loved us. So help us with that today, Jesus. Thank you for hearing our prayers and our requests in our hearts. Pray this in your name. Amen.